What are the roles of the modern parish pastor? In my experience, here are some of the roles people expect us to fill. To be a powerful preacher, a winsome evangelist, a builder of community, a wise Christian educator, an energetic organizer, a caring therapist, a competent social worker, and finally a skilled administrator for the local congregation. The problem is with that long list that very few people uh, are likely to be competent in all of those roles. Speaking of pastoral competence, some years ago I, I had some books stacked on a, a table in our living room and had some church friends over for dinner. And on the top of the stack was a, a, group, a group of essays about ministry, and the volume was entitled Competence in Ministry. And so when my friend Glenn saw it, who Glenn was sarcastic by nature, he, he picked it up and, and asked, I guess I won't find you listed in here, will I? <laughs> no, Glenn. Well, what do we learn about pastoral competence in the life of the early church, as Paul advises his younger colleague Timothy to find out, in addition to what you've already heard in this worship service and our call to worship and our affirmation of faith, those readings were from Paul's first letter to Timothy. Let's also hear from Paul's second letter to Timothy, chapter 2, verse 15, and then chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, as Patrice Frary reads for us this morning. Today's scripture reading is from 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15 and 2 Timothy chapter 4 verses 1 through 5. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. And continuing in chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I solemnly urge you, proclaim the message, be persistent whether the time is favorable or unfavorable. Convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching, for the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires, and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. As for you, always be sober, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, carry out your ministry fully. Let us have ears to hear and voices to speak, for this is the Word of God. Amen. The advice that Paul offers Timothy has two key ingredients about pastoral competence. One concerns character, living as an example of the message that we proclaim, allowing others to see Jesus Christ in us. Paul challenges Timothy to set believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, 
in faith, in purity. This is a very tall order. And no one ever does it fully and consistently. Not the Apostle Paul, not Billy Graham, not Mother Teresa, not John Stott or the Pope. And yet we are all called as followers of Christ to grow into Christ likeness in terms of both our attitudes and our behaviors. Now, as anyone who knows me is quite aware, I have my share of sinful attitudes and behaviors. Here are just two. While I don't like being around people who swear constantly, all too often I find myself using such language when I get in a heated discussion. Another is that many people are very bold and courageous in putting Christian bumper stickers on their automobiles. And I have never done so for a simple reason. (laughs) Because I am well aware that my driving is not always Christ-like. I'm reminded of the biblical story of King Jehu, who was reported to have driven his chariot furiously. (laughs) So as a driver, while I've only gotten three tickets in my whole life, am I always patient? Am I always letting the other person go first? Am I, am I always patient when I get behind a very slow driver? Or when I see someone speeding at 90 miles an hour buzzing by me on the highway? And I'm honestly thinking, where is the highway patrol person? You know, to pull that person over. This is crazy. So my impatience comes out. Now, but here's the truth, friends. The truth is that anyone who self-identifies as a follower of Jesus becomes an example to others, whether we like it or not. And even more so for people in positions of Christian leadership, like Timothy, like modern pastors today, like elders and deacons, and many of you who have assumed leadership roles in our congregation. So Paul's first concern in terms of pastoral competence, is to express to Timothy the importance of having a Christian character. And second, Paul focuses on Timothy's central pastoral role or function. And the focus there is on a word-based ministry, a scripturally-based ministry of teaching and preaching. Now, in passages we've heard in our service so far, Paul makes seven references to Timothy's teaching ministry and four references to his preaching or proclamation. Reflecting that emphasis in the Reformed tradition, we call our pastors teaching elders or ministers of the word. In other words, the heart of Timothy's pastoral ministry is teaching and proclaiming Jesus as the Christ, along with other scriptural truth. At 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Paul tells Timothy, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved by him, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly explaining the word of truth. Now, it's an awesome responsibility and privilege of being able, being free to speak for the triune God to a congregation in an ongoing way. A little girl asked her her mother, Mommy, does the minister 
live here or does she come down from heaven every Sunday? <laughs> and a real life, this I tell you, this is a true story, took place years ago in the Nevada church when I was serving as their pastor. A grandmother and granddaughter were sitting in the Nevada church sanctuary waiting for worship to begin. And the, the little girl had a frown on her face and her grandmother asked very sincerely, I mean, she asked her grandmother very sincerely, where is God today? Her grandmother was a bit confused by the question, but um, when I appeared and sat down on the chancel, the little girl let out a sigh of relief and said, oh, there he is. <laughs> wow, we need a Sunday school corrective lesson right away for that little girl. Paul tells Timothy that pastors are called to convince, rebuke, and encourage with the utmost patience in teaching. Convince means to persuade by reasoned arguments. Many people today, especially those outside the faith, think that being a Christian is completely illogical, a leap into the absurd. Convincing means to show such persons that the Christian faith makes sense, that it has intellectual credibility, that you don't have to check your mind at the door to be a follower of Jesus. In order to convince, one must obviously educate along the way. Rebuke means to correct a person's attitudes, beliefs, and behaviors. Rebuking should clarify what we believe and why. And Paul also challenges Timothy to encourage, or another word would be to comfort the faithful in his teaching and preaching. Now, of course, friends, not every sermon will be comforting because of the nature of the biblical text in question. That means some sermons, by their very nature, because of the nature of the biblical text, are designed to inspire and encourage, while others are designed to challenge and confront, or persuade, or, let me say, disturb. A balance is needed. The main thing for preachers is to be faithful to the scriptural text while at the same time addressing people's needs. The major premise and challenge of preaching is to try to connect the biblical world to our world today, to connect Jesus and the first century message that he brought us to our 21st century lives. Now, what's to be the content of our proclamation and teaching? The scriptural message, whether it's from the Hebrew Old Testament or the Greek New Testament. Earlier in 2 Timothy, or sorry, 1 Timothy, we read, Hold to the standard of sound teaching that you have heard from me, in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Guard the good treasure entrusted to you with the help of the Holy Spirit living in us. Now, one ongoing temptation for any Christian preacher or teacher is to change the biblical message, to tailor it to suit the personal or cultural values or beliefs of one's congregation. Instead, Paul says, we must stay loyal to the faith once delivered. And Paul warns Timothy, for the time is coming when people will not put up with sound doctrine. They will, having itching ears, 
accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own desires and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander away to myths. For example, a modern myth, actually a modern heresy that greatly disturbs me, is called the prosperity gospel, which originated sadly here in the United States and is spread widely around the world now in Protestant churches, which promises health and wealth to all Christians who have sufficient faith. When friends, Jesus of Nazareth promised neither as a general principle. Remember, friends, we didn't create the Christian message. We inherited it. And in that sense, we are guardians of the gospel. But our mission involves far more than preservation. Preachers and teachers must use imagination and creativity to bring that ancient message to life so that it makes sense in this time and in this place. Now, one thing that all preachers will agree upon is that no sermon, or I would say as a teacher, no class should ever be boring. Now, a brilliant seminarian who was used to getting A's in all her classes once got a C on a sermon in preaching class. Anne's professor explained, look, your sermon, Anne, is excellent. Your interpretation of the passage is wonderful. Your illustrations and application, your introduction and conclusion are all well done. However, your title is terrible. No one will ever want to come to hear a sermon entitled The Eschatology of the Apostle Paul. I'll tell you what I'll do, though. See if you can come up with a better title by tomorrow morning, and I'll reconsider your grade. What I want is a title that will reach out and grab people, a title that will compel people to come and hear what you have to say. Imagine for a minute a church sign with your sermon title on it, so that if a bus stopped in front of the church, your sermon title would be so powerful so compelling, it would force them to immediately jump off the bus and run into the church. So, Anne worked late into the night revising her sermon title. The next day, she went to her professor's office and turned in her new title, which read, Your Bus Has a Bomb on It. (laughs) Well, what application, friends, do these words have for those of us who are hearers? and students of scripture who don't spend much time in a pulpit or teaching in front of a classroom. One key challenge for all of us is to be teachable, to be open to what is said from the pulpit or in the classroom from Holy Scripture, even if at first our defenses might have a tendency to go up because we're not liking what we're hearing. Pray for openness to what the Holy Spirit would say to you through the day's message and the ability to respond in faith and obedience. Now, if the message is one of challenge, and friends, Jesus was often challenging people. I think he much more often challenged than comforted. And if you read, for example, the Old Testament prophets, they also far more often challenged than comforted. But there was some of each. But if if 
the message on a given day is one of challenge, I can pretty much guarantee you that Dale, Emily, and I see ourselves challenged as well. We're in it with you. We're not above what scripture says, and we have similar struggles to your own. Now, if the message is one trying to convince or rebuke, then try to be open to that word. Or friends, if it is a message of comfort, then enjoy it and bask in the grace of God. But remember, ours is a lifelong pilgrimage of faith, and we each have a long way to go and more to learn, because thankfully, God is not through with us yet. Would you join me in prayer? Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for revealing yourself to the patriarchs and prophets in the Hebrew Bible, but we thank you most of all for your most complete self-revelation in the person and ministry of Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, your word made flesh for us, and for the scriptures that bear witness to him. As we seek to follow Christ today, mold us so that our words and our works bear consistent and positive witness to Christ and the gospel. Encourage us as well to be open to your word when it is taught or preached, whether it disturbs or comforts, so that we might undergo continual transformation, becoming more like Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.